Capturing the world. This episode was recorded on February 19th, 2021. Hope you enjoy. Hey, what's going on, guys? This is your host, David Carmichael II, and I am back with another great episode of the Caption the World podcast. First, I want to give a shout out to all of our Spotify listeners, Apple Podcast listeners, and YouTube listeners. I have another great special guest. His name is Blair Brian Nichols. Um, he is a speaker, coach, director of stages, specializing in topics for entrepreneurs, business owners, creatives, and professional speakers. Blair, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. Thanks so much for having me. No doubt, no doubt. So I think that you're based in California. Is that where you're from as well and raised? No, I've been in L.A. now for eight years, but I grew up most of my life outside Chicago, the northwest suburbs of Chicago. And then I was in D.C. for college. I was actually in South Carolina for high school and D.C. for college. And then I was in New York for five and a half years. So I've been all over the place. No doubt, no doubt. So how, how was it growing up in Chicago? It was great. You know, I was in the suburbs, so I can't I can't claim to really be in like the the, the actual Chicago area, but that's just easier to say. I, I grew up in between Chicago and Milwaukee and, you know, not a not a small town, but a, a pretty typical suburb, I guess. And it was it was nice. It's a, a place called Crystal Lake. So it used to be like a vacation place for people who lived in Chicago, like back in the 20s. So I always kind of thought that was pretty cool. There was this big mansion by the lake that they call that was owned by the Dole family and they'd have a big festival on the on the grounds there every year right across the street from the lake so you know looking back it seemed a little bit uh idyllic i guess for a childhood but uh right. <laughs> it's probably like a lot of other places in the u.s that's cool man yeah because i'm from virginia i'm from oh. hampton virginia so you know virginia beach norfolk like that that area um, also, but, well, we lived in we lived in Richmond when I was a baby, so it was before Chicago was Richmond, and um, I've got a lot of uh, friends and family in Virginia too. So that's that's cool. That's cool, man. I actually had a chance to visit Chicago a long time ago when I was in high school. I believe I was in eleventh grade. It was a program mm-hmm. called the Trio Program. It was like a after school program at Hampton University, and it was different kids from different high schools in the area that was able to attend that program and then they'll take us to different college campuses. So one of the trips was us going to Chicago and we had like a big old, you know, charter bus with different kids from these different high schools in Virginia. And we drove, it was like 11 hour drive. And um, I just remember like it was a long drive and we visited like Chicago state, DePaul. I can't remember what other colleges we visited, but we was able to go to Sears tower. I guess it's called a different name now. Something else. I don't even know either. Yeah, um, that's cool. I hope you didn't go in the winter because uh, in Virginia you're not used to getting a lot of winter snow and all that. Although that's what most of the country is getting right now, I guess. Exactly. Yeah. Um. I think it was during our spring break, which was in. Oh, that's April. good. Yeah, that's better. <laughs> so yeah, I remember. I remember it being pretty warm. Um. But yeah, that was an awesome experience, and we've seen, um, the Chicago Bulls stadium we've seen the michael jordan statue uh like the nike store and all that yeah i I believe that too um i think we've seen like the baseball stadiums and all that so it was a good experience man i was about 16 17 but i would definitely like to go visit there once again one day so 
It's a it's a great city, yeah. When things are open, opening back up, especially hopefully later this summer. Summer is a great time to be in Chicago. I recommend it. I recommend summer as the best time, probably. <laughs> okay, no doubt. I'm gonna keep that in mind, most definitely. <laughs> so, um, great. so what what were your interests growing up? Like, I know you you doing what you're doing now, but what did you like to do? You know, growing up and going to school and stuff like that. Yeah, well, you know, it's it kind of draws a straight line to how I got started. I, I was always a big reader, you know. I I dabbled in sports and activities. I did theater and I, you know, did some other more nerdy academic type stuff at school. But I was always a big reader from when I was really young. I loved reading, you know, from the boxcar children to Tom Sawyer, all that stuff. And then, you know, illustrated classics up until, you know, all the way through my life. So when I went to college, I was a lit major and everyone was asking me, you know, well, what are you going to do? Are you going to be a teacher? And I, you know, my mom's a teacher. My sisters are teachers. Nothing wrong with being a teacher, but that wasn't what I wanted to do. And I didn't really know exactly what I wanted to do. And so, uh, you know, coincidentally, it was a book that kind of opened my eyes to the whole world of publishing. I didn't even, you know, all those years of reading, I never even thought about kind of the business, obviously, of how do books get made and who's the people behind getting them out there and, and selling them and marketing them. And nowadays, you know, I think people are, you know, are more aware of, of everything and the, the different media industries and things like that. But even when I went to college, I, I hadn't been that familiar. So once I found out that there was, you know, you could be a, a lit agent or a publicist or yeah. an editor or something that those were jobs people had, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, that's kind of what I, I set my sights on. And uh, that's why I went to New York after college to start working in publishing. And the first job that I got was actually at the HarperCollins Speakers Bureau. I was the assistant to the director there. So I worked for one of the major publishers and they were the first publishing house to have their own speakers bureau. So I didn't know that this speaking industry existed. I didn't know anything about, you know, uh, people that got paid to go and speak about whatever they were an expert in, or obviously a lot of our people were talking about their books and um, talking about the topic of whatever they wrote about. And and that's, you know, what kind of fueled that. So that's how I got my start, you know, from thinking maybe I wanted to be a lawyer or work in government. And that's why I thought school in DC would be best. And realizing kind of early on that I didn't like the the sound of studying law and what that would entail and, and, you know, then kind of shifted back to literature and, and that's what led me to publishing, which actually ultimately really led me to the speaking world. No doubt. No doubt. That's awesome. So I think you went to UCLA. Was that where you initially went to school or what did you go to school first? Yeah. So I went to American University for undergrad and that's where I studied literature and minor in communications. But I got my MBA actually at UCLA. So after five and a half years in New York, I, uh, you know, had been working for two different agencies after HarperCollins. I worked for Greater Talent Network, which is now part of UTA, one of the largest talent agencies in in the world. And uh, I was getting kind of tired. I was running the Hachette and Simon & Schuster Speakers Bureau. So I'd worked with three of the major publishers and every three months or so there'd be a new slate of books like every quarter basically they you know they're releasing their their catalog of their upcoming books and i would be going through and and looking at all the new books and kind of picking which authors i thought would be good for the speaking circuit and Mm -hmm. and and you know it just felt like i was 
getting more and more and more clients and I didn't have a huge team. So being responsible for that many people to me felt a little overwhelming. And I knew that I'd probably work best if I just had, you know, a smaller list of clients. And if you've ever watched like Entourage or any of these shows about entertainment, you know, there's agents and there's managers and there's all sorts of different people that help talent. I thought, you know, I really wanted to be more of a manager. I wanted to have less clients and do more for them. So handle more parts of their business, help them with, you know, any type of pursuit that they're really doing and not just be the person booking uh, their talks. So I figured if I was going to be a manager and, you know, get that sort of, uh, you know, clientele, I would need an MBA because I was a lit major and I thought, you know, I need a better business background. So I, uh, I applied to UCLA and I actually um, ended up getting recruited for a job in LA that just happened along the same time. They had no idea I was looking to move there um, at the same time. And it so it kind of worked out that I moved, I moved out there. And then about a year later, I started at UCLA in their part-time business school program, which was perfect for me because I could go at night or on the weekends while still working my full-time job. And uh, I did that for for three years, and so that's what that's what moved me to LA eight years ago. The job, and then um, ultimately business school, and I graduated in 2017, and got jumped right back into the speaking world uh, after that. No doubt, that's great, man. So, do you um out of all the places you I know you say you moved to New York, now you live in LA, you grew up in Chicago, lived in Richmond when you was a kid. So like, uh, what out of all them places, what, what is your favorite place? Or I guess not a favorite, but I guess, <laughs> what did you, out of all the places, what do you like the best out of, um, all them places? Yeah. You know, it's after growing up in, outside Chicago and having summers where it could be a hundred degrees and a hundred percent humidity and winters where it could be zero degrees or below zero degrees and have like a foot of snow on the ground for three months at a time and cloudy skies for months at a time where really it feels like both extremes, you know, both summer extremes and winter extremes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I kind of got, you know, used to those extremes. So moving to the East coast where things were a little bit milder, um, you know, I started to get used to that. And now that I'm in LA, I'm completely softened up. So, right. uh, you know, it's, <laughs> it's sunny and warm here. Most of the time when it rains, like the city shuts down just for rain, not even for <laughs> snow. I know, I know Virginia gets shut down when it snows, but it, it gets shut down here when it rains for the most part. And, uh, so I think that's, that's kind of interesting. And, so I've adjusted to that. I, you know, lately I did start missing the snow that everyone was getting on the East Coast. I mean, it's terrible what's going on in Texas and everything right now. But yeah, definitely. it's hard to say what I like the best. I, I guess I just appreciate the different places for what they offer. And New York is just a completely different lifestyle than LA. But I like it. I'd ultimately actually like to be back in like. Uh, somewhere like maybe even in the mountains of Virginia or the, up in the mountains here. I like mountain towns. I like just being kind of up and up in the elevation. And then you have the opportunity to get snow as well. It's, it's just kind of cool. It's cool to be in a place where you can be in snow and then also get to the beach. So I think I'll always want to probably stay pretty close to the coast. No doubt. Yeah. I've, I've been to New York a couple of times. Um, I have a couple of family members that live in New York. I've been to LA about four times. Um, mm. If you ask my friends and family, they probably will say I always talk about LA like it's the best place in the world I've been. <laughs> um, I don't know. I just yeah. like I just like the scenery. Like you said, the weather it never really rains. It's always sunny. 
not really that hot, not too cold. Um, but I guess, you know, the only thing it might be that's bad about it is probably the cost of living that I've heard is real expensive to live out there. Yeah. Well, I mean, New York is, is super expensive, you know, for the, like the, the space that you get, right. I think you get more for your money in LA. It certainly is not inexpensive. Um, but because you can get outside so often, I mean, I think it kind of makes it worthwhile. You're not you're, like stuck inside your apartment or your house or whatever. Like you can really get outside and enjoy the outdoor space a lot. And that seems to be, you know, pre COVID, especially, you know, a big part of the lifestyle and a big part of the draw, you know, it's my birthday is in January. And, um, this year it, we had kind of a little bit of a heat wave. So it was actually in like the high seventies, eighties in January. So I got to go to the beach for my birthday. So that was like, right. you know, kind of one of the LA moments where you're like, wow, this isn't something I ever grew up with. This is, this is not how I usually spend my birthday. Um, so you got to appreciate that, you know, when it, when it happens. No doubt. No doubt. Yes. Yeah, that's, that's awesome, man. So, um, I know you spoke about, you know, you're more like a manager for your clients um, when it comes to speaking arrangements. Is that like the main thing you do when you're helping your clients or like what other aspects of that do you help them with? Yeah. Well, yeah. And, and I, I do have my um, my management firm and I've just got a few clients that I, I, you know, help manage both their speaking and help them strategize how to grow their business through other channels and, and other ways uh, to make money. But I also, as you mentioned, work for Adventure Reach and I'm, I direct our agency there. And I know that this uh, podcast is for entrepreneurs, for people who, you know, are, are hustling and, and building their business. And, you know, one thing that we always say is that stages or speaking, are actually the fastest way to grow your business. So good move on you having a podcast, getting the word out, creating more content around your brand, no matter what kind of business you're in, because stages are really the opportunity for you to connect with an audience. So what we do is we help people, you know, not just find and get on stages, but, you know, our, our company does everything from, you know, help you build that, that great signature talk that you're going to give that's really going to help connect you with an audience. Um, then figure out what are the products and the things that you 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 offer as a as a business that's gonna you know there's going to be kind of an opportunity through that speaking to get people interested in that and so there's a reason why you're speaking whether you're going to give a free gift away and and that's going to get people to kind of opt into your email newsletters or get them on your list so you can market your products to them it's just you know so any any time you speak you should have kind of you know that opportunity to get people to go move over to your website and maybe you know get on your email list because that email list is gold you can have people on your facebook your instagram but those people aren't necessarily going to be customers and and those things can change overnight you know how the algorithms with the social media can change and right. and all of that so you want to really you know leverage your speaking to get people on a list or or get them to even potentially buy something directly. Um, and then we also help them, you know, figure out what assets they need to get on a stage. So video of you speaking, uh, you know, really refining those topics, having photos and bios and all that's great, putting that together for your website or a speaker kit. 
Um, so, you know, I kind of get to do what I always wanted to do, be more of a strategist, be more of a manager, help people kind of in the whole, you know, 360 way of supporting their business. But what our agency does specifically is actually reach researching and reaching out to speaking opportunities like, like podcasts and other digital stages right now. And we'll get back to in-person stages in the future, um, so that they can spread their message and hopefully, you know, attract people to their business business as well no doubt no doubt yeah i, I like what you said about you know having an email list because i have an email list as well you know for my clothing brand and um i was always told you know out of all the things you know having an email list is one of the most important things like you say you can have plenty of followers on your social media accounts but you know most of them might not be even engaging in your content and even the algorithm don't they don't even push your content to all of your followers anyway so, you know, I was always told having an email list is one of the top things to have because, you know, for the most part, those people are really interested in your business for them to even sign up for your email list and for your newsletter. So you can definitely directly talk to them and tell them about what's coming up on your business or just send. Because normally for me, I might, I don't try to send like salesy emails all the time. I try to send like every now and then send like a inspirational email or something that just to talk about something, you know, don't always be like, I have a sale buy for me, buy for me, like try to keep it, um, different and don't send the same type of emails every time to kind of keep them engaged and let them know you care about them. Like not that I just always want you to buy from me every time. So I try to utilize yeah. it in that way. And, um, yeah, there's just so many different things, man, you can do as a business owner and try to engage your customer, um, audience and stuff like that. So I definitely agree with you when you said that. Yeah, I think that's great. You know, I love that. There's so many retail outlets or, you know, even restaurants, you order from them once I get emails every single day, right? <laughs> um, you know, and, and I think it's, it's nice when you just get something that is just more content related, more inspirational. And that's really what speaks to your brand. You know, I know you've got your own mission behind your brand and purpose. And I think, you know, our generation especially wants to support brands with a purpose, with a mission, you know, that and are hopefully is interested in supporting, you know, smaller enterprises as they're growing. Um, so learning, getting, you know, the opportunity to learn more about you and, and share your thoughts and all that, I think is really a, a great way to go about it. And, and, uh, so, you know, I definitely think that that's the right strategy, uh, especially with your emails. No doubt. No doubt. So, um, you know, we just talked about, you know, how you help your clients. So when you initially get your clients, like what are, um, I guess overall, you, you can talk about like overall, like they're speaking in their business overall. Um, what are the main things that you see that need improvement when you meet with your clients or they might already know what they need improvement on? Like, what do they normally tell you and what did you already see from them when you're trying to improve and help them out? Yeah. Well, most people just want to get on stages, right? Like they just want to know how they can get booked. They want to know how they, you know, they think, Hey, I've got this topic. I've got knowledge that it, it can be for anyone. I, I should be speaking at, you know, they think they should be speaking at the most important companies and the biggest events in the world. A lot of them have, you know, and that's awesome. That's awesome that they have that passion. They have that drive, 
you know, but a lot of times they are probably missing some steps along the way. So the first thing you want to do as a speaker is think about really the problem that you're solving. So even as a business owner, that's oftentimes, you know, what leads to inventions, what leads to people on Shark Tank to invent these products is like, what problem are we solving? Like, what can we create to make people's lives easier? Um, And that's the same thing as a speaker. I think the successful speakers are really clear about the understanding their audience and what problem they solve for them. So I think that's usually one of the first steps that you want to take. And then you can craft your talk around that solution. But you want to wrap your story into that as well. So a lot of people, you know, they, they're really good at talking about content. They're really good about, you know, talking about their ideas, but they haven't really nailed down like how to tell their story. And that's such an important part. Like we're talking about, you know, it's so important to, uh, you know, share your, your thoughts and ideas, but you want people to connect with you. You want people to emotionally connect with you so you can really actually impact them. People are going to kind of tune out if they just feel like maybe they're just being taught or they're just being spoken at. They're not really getting a story about you. Um, and, And then I think a lot of times they don't really have that product side of it figured out. Like they might be coaches or consultants. And so they they know that when they speak, sometimes they'll get a new client or they'll get people that might be interested potentially in hiring them. But your audience is going to be at all different levels. So you want to think about having products that can really meet them at, at their different levels. Some of them might only be able to afford, you know, um, a digital course that can be pretty inexpensive. And once you've created it, it's, it costs you no money to to maintain. Um, some of them may, you know, be able to afford, you know, a one-on-one session with you and others may may be able to afford kind of an ongoing relationship or a higher level product. Um, But not everyone's going to be at the same level at the same time. So you want to think about how you're addressing the needs of your audience and and your solution can can meet people at, at all different levels. And the most important thing, like like nowadays, is just being generous, like giving as much as you can and giving that, you know, information, that value, that whatever, that knowledge. And that's what's going to lead to more success. You know, like there's always more that can be done. People can listen to this podcast. Hopefully they're going to get some value from it. Maybe it's going to, you know, um, cause some light bulbs to go off. But, you know coming and working with me, obviously you'd get a lot more help and a lot more guidance, but I'm, I love getting out there and sharing, you know, with yourself and your audience and everyone, because I know a lot of people, it is, I didn't know anything about this business before I got started in it. And I didn't really understand how it works. And so for a lot of people, they know what they know and they, this can help you, uh, you know, get started at least. And, um, I think, keeping that in mind too, is like, how can I continue to give back? How can I continue to share this value? Um, knowing that it's going to come back to me through my, through my clients, through my customers, whatever it may be. No doubt. No doubt. Yeah. Cause, um, you know, just to add on what you just said, you know, it's having a story, man, is very important too. Um, and for my brand, like this having a clothing brand, it's kind of, you're kind of in a tough spot because you're not really solving a problem per se. Like, the business model is not really made to solve a problem, but I think having a story behind a clothing brand is what gets people to connect with your brand. You know, like they're not buying your stuff because they're solving a problem that they have, like, um, you know, in that regard, but just having a story is very important to kind of connect your audience. And, you know, like you said before, you know, um, wanting to help people initially, instead of you trying to 
get something from somebody else every time you want to offer some type of um assistance and help as a when you when you're networking with people and you want to kind of come off as you know i'm willing to help i'm ready to provide i'm a i'm a servant i'm ready to serve and help people out instead of just i want you to just come for me buy from me all the time so it's kind of good to have that different type of connection with your audience and um yeah and just have a type of respect in that regard so um my next question for you is um i know that you are you a co-host of a podcast called the green room podcast yeah so i'm also the co-host of inside the green room okay. uh it's full of pv3 my co-host and our ceo pete fargus the third uh started it and last july uh, you know he's like blair why don't you start interviewing some of these folks and i kind of just stepped in and and you know like yourself we've done dozens of of episodes now and it's it's awesome and and like you're like you're just talking about it's all about sharing knowledge it's all about helping right. meeting planners event organizers and entrepreneurs learn about this industry what's going on how other people have pivoted to virtual events and virtual stages and uh, you know yes i want you to learn more about our business and potentially work with us and but mostly i just you know i i want to share and, and get and get that knowledge from other people that are experts in their space um to learn about that as well no doubt so where where can you listen to the podcast at i'm sorry uh, what, where is the podcast yeah what, where can you stream the podcast what what platforms is it on so we i think we're on all the forms we have a really amazing uh producer that get, that it's hosted on Lipson and then it's on Apple but so and I think it's on Google and all the other places that stream podcasts <laughs> that's a great <laughs> question um I I only, I listen to it on Apple but um I'm sure that's on other places I'm sorry my dog keeps barking oh, no, um fine. but uh yeah you know I, I it's it's interesting you know people I, I never really thought that I would be doing podcasts or talking, but once you get started, it's just, it's just fun to learn from other people. And, and like you're saying, it's just such a great way to kind of um, share with other people uh, what they know. And you didn't even know that you didn't know. So um, it just feels like a very virtuous cycle <laughs> that, right. uh, you know, podcasters have created because it's hard. Otherwise, any other media gets very edited, very kind of trimmed down, and it's very commercialized. Right. And, and you know, I've heard people say, like, um, the podcast, uh, like, the podcast game is very saturated, which, I mean, I don't really be believe that. I mean, it's just, it's always something for, for anybody. Like, everybody's not going to like the same thing. And the more options you have, the better. And it's, it's been people that, you know, that that have stopped me in the middle of me walking somewhere and said, "Man, you still? I listened to your recent episode of your podcast, man. That's great content. Keep it up." And I didn't even know they even listened to my podcast. So just hearing things like that keeps me going and keeps me wanting to keep interviewing people like yourself, man. Because you just never know who can benefit from whatever we're, we're speaking about on a certain episode. So um, that's very important, man. So my next question to you is. I know you went to school and you you worked at plenty of places and you gather information and to help you better your career um, track. So what specific people has um, helped you along the way and for you to be able to have the, the knowledge that you have now, like, I guess, you know, what specific people have helped you along the way in that journey? 
Yeah, well, I mean, a lot of different people come to mind. I mean, all, you know, everyone in different ways, I think, has helped because even the bad bosses, even they might not have been bad bosses, but bosses that I didn't really maybe connect with well or didn't, our, our personalities clashed. And I had some bosses, I definitely would say, were narcissists, were more egomaniacs. And, and it's hard. It can be very taxing on you to kind of, deal with, you know, people like that, that don't really exhibit a lot of empathy for you as a human being or, you know, who are just very demanding. So I've had good bosses, I've had bad bosses, and I've learned from both of them because uh, what I learned from those that I don't consider as the greatest bosses were, you know, why I wanted to work for myself and eventually just being able to manage my own clients, but also then refining the type of clients I wanted to have. Because a boss is almost like a client, you know, you're managing them in a different way, and at least in the the roles that I've had. Um, so they've just really taught me about the who I really wanted to serve in this world. And I really enjoy serving diverse talent and socially driven talent. So people that have a company or a mission that's actually, you know, to better the world and, and other people. And that's really their driving force, not just people who figured out how to game the system and how to make money um, or just provide something that I feel like, you know, isn't really aligned with my values or what I'm interested in. Um, so. I've had speakers that, uh, you know, even at a young age have kind of helped boost my confidence by, uh, you know, showing respect to me, even though they were much older and much further along in their careers, they were, you know, encouraging uh, with what I was able to provide for them as their agent or, you know, as someone that helped, uh, you know, just even get them booked and got to travel with some of them. So, um yeah, I mean, I think I just think about the different constituents and, and learning something from each of them and, and then leveraging that to choose really what you love doing and where you want to spend your time. We all have a choice about, you know, what we want to do and who we really want to impact and, and how we want to spend our time. So uh, I, I had a mentor at my company when I first moved to L.A., that really helped me learn not just about my strengths and how to leverage them, how to, you know, kind of smooth some of my rough edges and also, um, you know, just about the importance of managing others and how to get how to get the best out of a team and what structures really need to be put in place to do that. And it was just a really valuable learning lesson for me because I'd never really managed anyone, uh, you know, in that capacity. And uh, I, it gave me a lot of tools to be able to help them grow. And I think if everyone's purpose is really to help others grow and, you know, you're not one of these bosses or entrepreneurs that wants to keep someone in their place, which is how I felt by a lot of those narcissist or ego-driven bosses was mm -hmm. keeping you down, keeping you in, in your place so that you didn't surpass them or you didn't get to shine as bright because they wanted all the, all the light on themselves. You know, that's, that I think is when one of the most important things I've learned is, you know, developing others. And one of my clients even talks about this, like helping others shine is what makes you shine. And when you're able to bring out your own light and shine, like that's what, you know, helps others too. So 
yeah, <laughs> long-winded answer. No, I guess fine. I don't have like specific people, but I think it's a cumulative effort of of a lot of years of, of different types of people that have just slowly, slowly, like you know, just being honest with yourself, listening to yourself, like who in your gut feels right about being in a partnership with, who is the the you know what feels right with that you know you want to work with this person to support them, and then you know in your gut when it's kind of like, you know, this doesn't really, I, I, you're just not that excited about someone or even you, even you have a negative reaction to, to someone. And then, um, you just got to keep, keep checking in with yourself and, and saying, you know, this is why this doesn't feel like I, I should stay here. I belong here. You know, don't be afraid to take that leap because you'll waste a lot of time being unhappy if you're worried about, you know, holding on to a job, whereas, you know, there's opportunities where other places where hopefully you can get, you know, more meaning and purpose, but also more respect. And ultimately, you'll be more successful because of it. No doubt. And um, to add on what you just said, that last part, um, you know, taking the leap of faith and going somewhere where you are happier. Um, why do you think it's so hard for some people to take that leap? I know everybody has different circumstances, but, you know, mentally, why do you think sometimes people make that a hard decision to do. Yeah. I mean, I think for me, it's, it's often been about a paycheck. It's often been about, you know, making sure you have an opportunity that you can pay your bills and support yourself or your family or whomever, you know, you else have counting on you in your life. But I, and you know, for a lot of people, that's probably what it comes down to, especially when it comes to a job. And, and I would just say though, if you're working a job for a paycheck, that's okay. But find a way to, you know, also pursue your passions, your creativity. It might have to be outside your normal job. Not everyone is going to be able to make money off what they're most passionate about, but that's okay. You can, you can still like your, like yourself, like you can create a company and do a podcast. You can, you know, find other ways to volunteer maybe in, in an area that is more aligned with your interest. You know, if you're really passionate about music or something like that, you can even, you know, be become an usher uh, part-time at your local like performance center or, you know, big stadium. Like there's so many opportunities to get closer to what you want to do. Mm-hmm. You just have to find those opportunities and be willing to spend more time doing it because you're going to love that more than just spending, you know, if that job is such a grind and you come home and you're tired and you just want to be, you know, lazy and watch TV and like, that's okay. You need to rest and recharge, but you know, try to find time for your passions, try to find time to actually pursue your interests in, in some capacity, because you don't know that could lead to a job. And then all of a sudden you get to also get paid, you know, working close to, or doing what you love. Right. I agree. And I think, you know, some people, you know, when it comes to doing that, they might think, well, I'm putting in free hours and I'm not getting paid to do this volunteer work or blase blase but you know I've, I've heard the same thing you said from other people like you know just get in try to get in where you fit in like even if you're not getting paid to to, to do whatever if you're just getting close to the people that can get you to the next level you know you gotta be willing to put in those free hours and just be willing to you know sacrifice your time you know if you're going home watching tv or you know stuff that's not really beneficial to the upgrade where you want to be at you got to sacrifice some time. You know, we all want to have fun and do, you know, fun things. And there's nothing wrong with doing that. But you just got to, you know, allocate your time to certain things that can help you get to a certain level. 
And you got to analyze where you at in your life. Like, okay, how much time am I really spending doing this? Okay, maybe I can cut this down a little bit and add more time to this. And, you know, you just got to analyze certain situations and figure out how you can make yourself better, how to better yourself. So um, I definitely agree with all that you just said. Most definitely. Yeah, well, absolutely. And, you know, oftentimes, you know, it, it depends on what's really most important to you, you know, putting in free hours and helping others, you know, at the end of the day, I think it's going to be a lot more enriching and fulfilling than finding yourself, you know, 10, 20 years into a career and, and feeling completely lost, like you have no right. idea what you're what you're really living for. So even if it just is something volunteer pro bono, like you said, I think you'll you'll end up ultimately a lot happier uh, in your life. No doubt. No doubt. So um, I have like a couple more questions left before we um, wrap yeah. it up. But um, my next question to you is, you know, I know you give a lot of advice to entrepreneurs already. And um, but what is like one piece of advice if you know, somebody was to ask you, you know, um, Blair, give me a piece of advice I can I can carry on forever. What would you say to an entrepreneur that, that needs some type of advice to help them along the way in their journey? Yeah, I mean, we, we, we touched a little bit on, you know, thinking about the problem you solve and, right. and how that's, you know, creating solutions. So, you know, I won't repeat that, but I will say that something that I learned um, is is how you, you know, and this maybe this sounds simple to a lot of people, but how you, you know, treat everyone around you is important. Mm -hmm. So if you're a speaker, just to use speakers as an example, you know, the people who are backstage, the people who produce the event, you know, the people who are just hanging out and, and a lot of events have a lot of volunteer people involved with it because they want to be, you know, they want to hear speakers, they want to be part of the activities and they, you know, can't necessarily afford to pay for a ticket, but they can, you know, lend their time and, and they still get to enjoy then all of the, the inspiration and education and all of that. And I, and, and what I've learned, you know, from hearing from other people, from my own experience and just what I've observed is the people who are most successful are doing a couple things. First of all, they're constantly learning and growing and developing. They're taking feedback. They're never afraid to try new things, but they're always challenging themselves to learn more. You know, whether you've got no degrees or several degrees, some of the most successful people, you know, like, uh, I don't know, other famous people in the past who've dropped out of college and they, they've gone on to become billionaires because they have that drive and they've learned and they've taught themselves. It doesn't have to be a traditional path, but the, the most successful people I know are ones who are always learning and growing, evolving and adapting and, and just thinking about how they can kind of shift their thinking and not get stuck in, in the same mindsets. Um, and the other thing is, as I was alluding to earlier, is people who are kind and generous to everyone around them. That doesn't mean you need to stop and talk and learn everyone's story. But, you know, when you're at an event and you're just on your phone and you're kind of ignoring and treating, you know, the rest of the people like, like they don't matter. And when you're not expressing gratitude to the other people who've given you these opportunities and, and just even from an entertainment perspective, people who would come into my um, class in in business school, you know, from the entertainment industry would talk about, you know, these celebrities or these people who were just terrible to work with. And the funny thing is, the people they would talk about were people who weren't doing a whole lot anymore. They don't have a TV show. They don't, they're not in any movies. They've kind of like faded out because if people don't like working with you, it doesn't matter how big of a star you are right then, that director, that producer, that writer isn't going to 
pick you the next time. Like right. there's going to be someone else. And there's, you know, I, you know, you hear about Tom Hanks just being like the nicest guy and so generous and supportive. There's a reason why you see him year in, year out in movies after movies, because he's had that reputation for a long time. And he, you know, creates that sort of environment on set or wherever he's at, which is his workplace. So be that kind of person. And that's what's, you know, also going to create and bring opportunities to you. And what's going to keep people coming back, inviting you back. Um, you know, it's what's going to keep, you know, managers that you've had or bosses that you've had that want to hire you the next time they've got an opportunity for you. Uh, you know, they may move on from a job, but keep, keep those relationships close. I think all of that, you know, is, is probably sounds pretty basic, but I think it's really easy to forget, especially as you grow, especially for entrepreneurs who feel like they're doing it alone, to, to think that there's all these other people out there around them in their ecosystem that are supporting them, that are helping them, and 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 they need to, you know, express that gratitude and, and give it back wherever they can. Yeah, that, that was great, man. I definitely agree, and I can add on to that because I've heard that from many people, Plenty of times, you know, treat people with respect, especially, you know, if you're in a field where you're trying to, you know, meet a certain person that, you know, a certain figure that is in your industry that, you know, if I just meet this person, then I can get the opportunities that I need to get. But you might be ignoring the people that's below them that might be working for that person, like the person's assistant or the secretary or a person below them, like, you know, you just never know who's important. Like you might not think they're important, but it might be the gatekeeper to get you to where you need to get to. And they can stop you if, you know, you might have treated them a certain way. They can just stop you from getting where you need to get to. You just then you're wondering why? How come I can't get these opportunities? You know, you might be real talented, but you might have forgot the other day. You might have talked to this person that knows the person you're trying to get to in a bad way. And that's all it took for you to just not get to where you wanted to get to. So. That's building Such relationships. Yeah, and that's treating everybody with respect. Even, you know, the desk clerk or the person that valet parks your car or anybody, you know, it's just, you just got to treat everybody with respect and put everybody on the same level, man, because everybody had to start somewhere. So you just got to remain humble and just, you know, just be nice, man, like you just said. So That's true. <laughs> well, and those people you talked about, those are gatekeepers. You definitely want to be, you know, nice to the gatekeepers because exactly right. If you're trying to get in touch with someone and you're just, you know, like assuming that their assistant or someone doesn't matter. I was a chief of staff. I've been an assistant. Like, I'm the one that's screening things out. I'm the one that's gently applying pressure to the boss to say, hey, I think you should give this person five minutes of your time or, hey, I think you should meet with this person or I'm the one that's just as easy to say, oh, I'm sorry, he's busy. You know, they don't, they they are entrusted with that so that they can do their best work. And so if, if you're trying to get in, you absolutely want to, you know, show that kindness and respect and, and be just as creative with, um, you know, demonstrating your value to them as you would to the person you're trying to ultimately talk to or, or do something with. I agree, man. I definitely agree. So Blair, man, you know, we've been talking for a minute and I definitely, um, appreciate you getting on our podcast, man. And, um, you know, talking about what you do and, you know, it's all about listeners, man. You know, if this is a field you want to be in, you know, make sure you just all the things we talked about, man, try to apply those in your life and in your entrepreneurship journey. 
Um, Blair, if you wanted to give like your social media accounts and this places where we can all reach you at, feel free to say that now if you want. Yeah, LinkedIn is a great place to connect with me. It's Blair Bryant Nichols. So, you know, I think I'm the only one. I'm I'm the guy in the blue shirt. I've got the mustache in, in that photo, I think, still and the rock and the full beard now. <laughs> but just, yeah. you know, definitely let me know if you heard me on this podcast. I love, you know, when I, I get to hear feedback like yourself, that kind of keeps me motivated to keep getting out there and sharing as well. So don't be shy. I always accept my LinkedIn requests and um, I'm happy to chat with you if, if you let me know you heard me here and happy to help point you in, in, in the right direction if I can. Um, so yeah, thank you, David, for having me. And uh, I hope your audience got some value from this. And I'd be you know more than willing to, to help anyone if you want to reach out. No doubt. And um, to add on what you just said again, um, LinkedIn, which is a platform that maybe, I mean, we all know about LinkedIn, but I think some people might not think is a, it's as important as like Instagram or Facebook or stuff like that. But I've heard, you know, listen to Gary V sometimes, man, he always talks about LinkedIn and I recently, you know, cleaned up my LinkedIn profile and started to be more active on LinkedIn. And, um, you know, some people just think it's just for jobs, but you know, you can definitely build, um, a good customer base and just, you know, reaching out to people and just networking with people. Cause I was able to get like a, um, an interview from my local newspaper about my clothing brand just by reaching out to people and just talking to people. So for those that's, you know, if you're looking for other platforms to, you know, increase your, I guess, visibility on the market, you mm -hmm. know, make sure if you have LinkedIn and if you're not active on it, make sure you get active on LinkedIn and just try to connect with people in your audience and just post content. Like I, you know, stuff I post on Instagram, I have a business account, for my clothing line on LinkedIn. So wherever I post on Instagram, I post on LinkedIn, I post on Facebook, you know, so just try to post your, you just don't post your content on one platform. You can post the same thing on multiple platforms because you have different people on different platforms. So mm -hmm. another piece of advice, if you have LinkedIn, make sure you're active on LinkedIn and um, yeah, that's it. But um, yeah, Blair, I thank you for being part of this podcast again. Um, you know, for my audience and my listeners, you know, feel free to, you know, add um, Blair on LinkedIn and um, go from there, man. So Blair, thank you again. And I'll shout out to all of our Spotify listeners again, Apple podcast listeners, YouTube listeners. This is another episode of the Caption Podcast. And we'll see y'all on the next episode, man. Y'all have a good one. Peace. <laughs>